0: All right. Everybody ready? How about, how about over here? Are we, we good? Over here? Anyone over there good? Yes. Yeah. All right. How about the middle section? Yeah. <laughs> One last time. And you guys? Yeah. That's, we're, we're moving in that direction. We should have more fun here than you all will have at the Super Bowl tonight. There will be a lot of people worshiping tonight. They will be worshiping, they've given lots of money, time, emotional energy, they will be offering that all up for I don't even know who's playing. (laughs) Usually you're all wearing jerseys on this day, and I can't believe I don't see one jersey. Not one. We may have been, we may be getting holier. This is awesome. I don't know. Well, I'm sure whoever it is, it'll be okay. Okay the 49ers and the Patriots, right? No no. Okay, enough talking. Here we go. We are in the series about growing in sonship. Um, now, I don't know if many of you know who uh, know what Charisma Magazine is. It's a magazine that's devoted to spirit-filled life and things of the spirit and charismatic Christianity, all that kind of good stuff. But um, in the 1990, the January 1990 issue of Charisma Magazine, there was a prophetic voice to the world was asked a question. And the question was, what do you believe the decade of the 90s will hold for the church? And his answer was, I believe the church is about to experience a revelation of the fatherhood of God. And a new wave of evangelism will result as millions of prodigals will see the father's love in the church again. Now, if you go back a decade before that, in the late 1980s, much of the church had grown lukewarm, complacent in their love for God. Much of that was because um, the church sought to consume the blessings of God upon their own lusts for possessions and positions and power. And in those days, in the 80s, late 80s, a lot, many continued in their you know their duties of ministry but the voice of god was getting dimmer a lot of people applied their energies to ministry or religious activity and there but but the problem was, was there was a real lack of experiential understanding of father god's love for his children and consequently a lot of people sought for God's love through works. Well, in the early part of the 90s, um, Father God began to draw the church back. He began to draw the church back home to him by releasing renewal. We have things like the Toronto Blessing, the Brownsville Revival. Anybody remember any of that kind of stuff? God began to blow on the church and began to pull us in. And what was happening, um, it was happening because the church was trying, God was trying to get us to be prepared for the Father and the revelation of the Father coming back to us as a church. And so so that millions of prodigals and non-Christians would see the Father's love, to see His compassion, His love, His forgiveness, in us. Everybody say, in me. in me. And then they would therefore desire our God. And now we have to shift from this thing of just learning about Father's love to actually experiencing this. We've got to get this so that it breaks out in our lives in every area of our need. Amen. Romans 5.5 5 says the love of God has been poured out within our hearts. And so it's no longer enough for us to just teach on God's love. We are living in an hour when we are to minister out of that place. Amen. That place of intimacy. That place of real deep experience of God's love. His faithful, affectionate love for us. So today, as I said earlier, I want to share the next part of my message. It's called Growing in Sonship. Today we're going to talk about the prodigal father. Now, before you think that, you know, maybe I'm going to hammer on prodigal dads today and Beat us up. That's just, hold on, because I'm, I'm using prodigal not in the negative way that we've come to know this word. Um, we're going to associate it in a little different way today. So so just hang on and go with me, because I think there's a, a really major revelation that God wants us to get. And I also want to remind us that <coughs> to help me share this message, there's a couple of resources that I'm using One, uh, Experiencing the Father's Embrace by Jack Frost, and the other, Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship. I encourage you to buy both those books and read them because they are a wealth of information. Well, I want to read a story in the book of Luke, chapter 15, and it is a familiar story. It's the story titled, The Prodigal Son. They began to celebrate. Now, if you're reading your Bible and you read this you come to this passage at the heading, it's titled "The Prodigal Son." Now just so you know, that's not actually in your Bible. When John or Luke or Mark or Matthew wrote their gospel, they didn't write like nice headings to let us know what this was all about. They just wrote. What happened is scholars came in, and they helped us, and it is a help, that identify passages of Scripture, the Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mount, the Prodigal Son, all of those things are put in there by scholars who wrote and put our Bibles together. So this one's titled Prodigal Son, and it was probably named that because scholars, and probably would say, safe for us to say about ourselves, is that And Shelley even talked about it is that we love to focus on failure. And when scholars wrote this, I'm sure they focused more on the son's failures, more on the son's sin, than the father's cry for love and intimacy. Now, according to Webster Dictionary, the word prodigal means one who spends or gives lavishly, recklessly extravagant. So when we look at this passage and we think, well, prodigal son, I think that this passage is more about how the father loves and gives recklessly than it is about how the son spends and he lives recklessly. Although, The son did spend his inheritance recklessly. How much more recklessly did his father give unconditional love? Compassion. Forgiveness to his son when he least deserved it. See, I believe this story is much more about intimacy with the father than it is about a son's rebellion. This parable is not actually even an evangelistic parable because this son was already a son to his father. So what Jesus was trying to explain to the Pharisees with this story, he was trying to explain what a relationship with the father was actually about. As a matter of fact, the two stories before this one are also about God um, and how he is recklessly, extravagantly trying to seek us, right? The stories before this are the parable of the lost sheep, and the story after that is the parable of the lost coin, right? All three of these stories are about how God goes after lost stuff. Now, I realize we identify with the sheep and the coin and the sun. That's me. I was lost. Now I'm found. But this story is not, to, it's not about, hey, you're lost and you're really lost and you're badly lost and you're terribly and you stink at being lost and you're a lost, terrible, stinking, terrible, lost thing. <laughs> this is a story, three of them in a row, about how God is looking for us. No matter what degree of lostness we are in so let's look at this story about the prodigal father see in this story we have the younger son and we see that this younger son valued his father for what he could do for him and not for intimacy and love you see immaturity only thinks of its only desires and not the feelings of others. As a matter of fact, in the culture of that day, a son's inheritance was not to come to him until the moment of his father's death. And so by asking his father for his inheritance early, this younger son essentially was saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead. And at that time, that is an unspeakable insult to his father. And and also, the father was in no way required to give his son an early inheritance. And also, according to Jewish law, for what he said and what he required and made the request of his father, it was something that he should have been killed for. Because of the amount of dishonor this, this statement was making. But then we look at the father and he was different. He was a prodigal father even before his son left. Because he gave his son the inheritance. He did it without anger. He did it without judgment. Even though this son is is displaying the most despicable level of greed and selfishness. See, the father had already forgiven the son for his rebellion against love. And we know that because he would have never given him that inheritance if his heart wasn't clear. That's reckless love. You see, when we, when we do not pursue a life that is rooted and grounded in love, and I've said this before and I'm going to keep saying it because we got to get this. We either live as if we do have a home or we ha- we don't have a home. When we do not pursue a life that is rooted and grounded in love, then we are living as if we do not have a home. And home represents a lot of stuff because home home represents the center of our beings where we can actually hear the Father say, you are my child in whom i love and upon whom my favor rests that's mark 111 see home home is supposed to represent our place of security of affirmation protection comfort peace identity destiny Home is always there for us. But there's a problem is the problem is we start to drift. And we start drifting away from home when we value God for what He can do for us more and for intimacy and love. And what that usually leads us to. Is it leads us to feeling very distant from the Father's house. Now, contrary to, again, popular teaching, there are actually three sons in this story, not just two. See, there's one that's a slave to sin, he is the prodigal, he was easy to identify. There's another one It's a slave to the law and that's the older brother. We didn't get to him in this part but he's there. But there's a third son. It's the one who's telling this story to us. And he is a slave to love. See, the two sons... They lived outside of the Father's love. They lived outside the house. The third son who is telling us this story, he lived in the Father's love. John 17, verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word have manifested your name. We can only manifest God's name when we live in the center of the Father's love. See, this first son, he found it very difficult to live within the nature and the character of perfect love. Remember when we talked about being comfortable with love? Being at home with love? This first son, he, was very, he found it very difficult to live in this place of perfect love. And you know, it is much easier than we think to drift off center of our God's love. Our Father's perfect, unconditional love. Because remember, we're either living life as if we have a home, or we're living as if we don't have a home home literally represents the center of everything because even the father says that he is looking for a place to rest and to make his home home is the place where we can finally hear abba god tell us how much he loves us and how much favor he has in us when was the last time you felt in just Uncomprehensible favor on your life. When it was the last time you had a quiet time and that's what showered down on you. Favor. Favor. I'm pleased. I'm blessed. You are my one and only. I love you. Much favor is on you. When we are at home in love, it doesn't matter who else or who does or doesn't value us. Because we are now deriving our value, our true value, from Him. And when we live in that place where all of our value is through God and what He thinks about me and what He says about me and not my job and not how much money I make every year and not how many ministry positions I've had or how important I am in this church or how important I am in the city. How many hundred dollar bills are in my wallet? When we stop getting it from there, and we start getting it from Him, then guess what? We get to demonstrate that Father kind of love to the world. We are able to respond out of love instead of some of the broken stuff we've been responding out of. When we here are at rest and Father's love, then we can give it away. Let's look at what drifting off center of the Father's love looks like. And as I said before, home is a place of security, of comfort, of provision, rest, protection, acceptance, belonging, inheritance, and identity. But when we don't feel at home, and we are not in this place of listening to the Father's voice, affirm us and instead begin listening to the father of lies we begin to drift off center of father's love i mean we've got some amazing promises hebrews 13:5 says keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have for he has said he father i will never leave you nor forsake you luke 15:31 and he said to him son you are always with me and all that is mine is yours all that is mine is yours that's favor Much favor is resting on the son or daughter who realizes all that Abba's got is mine. You know, the Father never leaves us. But for us, we drift off center. And as soon as we drift off center of the father's love and his voice, we start hurting people. As soon as we drift off center, the father of lies, who, by the way, was the very first spiritual orphan. The father of lies, as soon as we drift off center, the father of lies begins to speak to our thoughts, influencing our words, influencing our actions. One of the main reasons that causes drift is valuing what the father can do for you rather than for his intimacy and his love. The son, this younger son, wanted his estate now. I want it now. I want it right now, right away, rather than trusting and waiting for the appropriate time. And this son, he had a hard attitude long before he actually left the house. Something was working. The father of lies was working on him. Immaturity only thinks of its own desires and needs. When we first come to the Lord, most of us come because of what we need. Most of us come because we're tired of hurting. And that's okay because those are true statements. We are hurting and we are in deep need. But we can't live there. And over time, if we do not mature into Father's love, it's this gimme-gimme attitude it starts to take root in our hearts and it will extinguish that first love feeling. Remember, again, Shelly was talking about it. Remember when I first got saved? Remember when you first gave your life to Jesus? Remember how awesome it felt? How clean you felt? How loved? How like, man, it's just as awesome. This is great. I feel good. That first love if we don't move from that into a mature love of the Father, we stay in this self-centered place, this gimme-gimme attitude, we drift off center. And when we live in that gimme-gimme place, we become with the mindset of the prodigal, and as a prodigal, We tend to waste the blessings of God upon our own lusts. And there is a great danger in that. See, we have to remember that we reap what we sow. And when we value God only for what He can do for us, we will continue to have a void in our hearts, and we will then put that in our children. And then guess what happens? Then our children come to value us only for what we are doing for them in the moment. May I remind you of my phone comment? I mean, you know why? Possibly our children don't want to come to church. They don't want to be in youth. They're not interested in the things of God. we might be reaping what we've sown. If we've demonstrated a gospel that's about my blessings, giving me what I want, and then if I don't get what I want, I have a really bad attitude and I'm really upset and I'm always showing that God doesn't deserve my love when my life's not going really well. How will our children grow up? See, when we treat the Father this way, when we relate to Him mostly for what He can do for us, it's a subtle way of dishonoring Him. And we don't even realize it. When we are only valuing Him for what He does for us, we start drifting. And when we start drifting from the center of His love, we start losing the sense of His presence. But when we begin to dwell in the center of Father's love, when we come back to this place, everyone around us begins to know the Father's love. When we come back to the center and we're bathing in His love, in His voice, His unconditional love, that stuff leaks out on other people. That's what makes people go, I'm interested in what's different about you. But if our focus is not on receiving the Father's love and giving it away, we will begin to drift as our value system changes. And we will find ourselves beginning to feel like God's presence and God's blessing are drying up. You know, back to the prodigal. Eventually, the prodigal son had used up all of his inheritance and at that point, a need began to surface in his life that was unmet. And remember what happens when we have a need and it goes unmet. We get sick. And so when we drift off center of Father's love, and, but we need it. Your very spirit lives off this stuff. Who you are as a person lives off of this. And as you drift off, and we drift off, a need arises. And when that need doesn't get met by coming back, we get sick. And that affects all of our relationships. With God, with our spouse, our family, with our parents, our children, our friends. And when that happens, we begin to move into a place of defilement say defilement. defilement that's what the pig pin represents in that story cuz these are jewish people we're talking about here and they are forbidden from having anything to do with pork no bacon no sausage no pork chops no bacon wrapped chestnuts Bacon-wrapped tilapia, bacon-wrapped burgers, bacon-wrapped in bacon. We're redeemed. But these poor Jewish people, forbidden, not allowed to have anything to do with it, and this guy is a slave to pigs now. He is in the place of defilement. And when we go to that place, we end up involved in things we never dreamed of. See, pork may not, may not be our route of defilement, but porn is. Emotional affairs are. Abusing drugs and alcohol is. Hurting yourself is. Abusing others It's a place of defilement. Overeating because you feel so bad It's a place of defilement. Whatever your poison is. When we come off center and we've got a need and it's got to be met It's got to be. We're sick if we don't get it. We will get defiled because we're going to do it some other uh, unfortunate way. Doing things we never dreamed of. We have to learn to discern our drift. And until we abide in love, until we get this revelation... Drift will occur in our lives over and over again. It's done it in my life, I promise you. I know it has. Every time we drift, we will misrepresent God's love to other people. And once we stop feeling like a son or a daughter, we end up becoming willing to be a hired hand just to get back at the Father's house. But see the problem with that is that it's not service that's motivated by love. We should be in that father's house. We should do our part. But he's just desperate. His service isn't motivated by love. His service was motivated by guilt and shame, which ends up leaving a very angry edge to our ministries. Very angry edge to our life at home. And so we've got to realize, we have to realize that it is impossible for us to get home on our own. We don't have the power in and of ourselves to become sons and daughters. But through Jesus, say through Jesus. Jesus. Now say it again. Through Through Jesus, we are able to come to the Father as adopted sons and daughters. You see, it's when we fail the most that we most need outstretched arms. It is when we fail the most we need comfort. We need healing rather than anger. No matter what sin we are walking in right now, God is not waiting on us to do all the right religious things. He is simply waiting for us to turn our face to home. Turn our face to home so He can come running and embrace us. Because we are sons by inheritance. In our spirit man, we are brand new creations. Say, I'm a brand new creation. My spirit is brand new creation material. It is the spirit of God mixed with mine, and I'm perfect right there. But oh, my thought lies. My mind, my will, my emotions. I'm still struggling with ungodly beliefs. I am struggling with negative thought patterns, negative behaviors. But you know what's so good about God? He doesn't judge me. He doesn't judge me there. The bad news is my family and friends do. (laughs) See, the problem arises when we begin to pay more attention to what others say than what the Father is saying. But when we start to choose to listen to what Father God says about us, we start acting like what he says. That's how behavior modification really happens. Not guilt and shame, like, oh, they keep telling me I'm a terrible person, so I'm just going to quit being terrible. I try really hard. But But what you're listening to is you're terrible. You're angry. You're full of fear. You're... Whatever. Yeah, I know. I got to quit. I got to try harder, don't I? <laughs> How about the father who says, "I love you. You're precious. Come here, come into my arms so I can hold you. We're working on this together, but my love is never going to change." See, when I listen to that voice, I'm not <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm resting. I'm just like, okay. Really? It's okay? You love me even though I stink? Yeah, I really do. Unconditionally. (sighs) All right, well, I'm going to take a nap. (laughs) All right, I'll be here when you get up. We start acting like what he says about us when we listen to him rather than what the world says. John 8, verse 38. Jesus says, I speak of what I have seen my father, seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from yours. See, if we aren't comfortable with love, we are listening to the wrong voice. And You know what? Religion hates homecomings. Because they involve emotions. But God, He's restoring our full inheritance. See, Father God is not looking for hired hands. He is looking for sons and daughters. He didn't look for more workers down the road. Oh, there's a guy who could work my field now that my deadbeat kid's gone. (laughs) He was looking, where's my son? Where is he? I I just know he's going to come back. Because God is saying, I want to restore you to your full inheritance. And because God's looking for sons and daughters, that means it's time for us to experience homecoming. See, one way to start our journey to homecoming is to begin to remember what a loving and compassionate father we have. Now, I told you, we were, this, this thing that we're, we're in right now, this revelation of growing in sonship, this isn't a try harder thing. This is not a try harder thing. This is not I'm a piece of junk thing. This is a let it be thing. Let it be. Let it be real. Let it be true. Let it touch you. And we've got to have people in our lives who help us live that. Who remind us that we're loved. That we're precious in the eyes of God people we can be accountable to so that when we go down that negative spiral of thinking they can go oh no not today not today Uh uh-uh not on my watch much favor rests on you you're not going to go to defilement I'm not letting you wallow in the pig pen Our value system has to shift. We have to value God for intimacy rather than what He does for us. And I'm telling you, that is so hard to do. But if we would just learn to recognize the consequences of our drift, it would be much easier for us to come back to the center of His love. And the way to come back to to the center of His love is to be willing to go from a gimme-gimme to a change me, change me. So, here's some steps to experience our homecoming. Number one, the prodigal remembers what a loving father he had. That's our first step. We have to remember that we have a loving father. See, the son came to his right senses and he remembered his father's house. Because he knew that his father delights in giving us what we don't deserve. He knew he didn't deserve the inheritance, didn't he? Right? That's what the law of the land was. You don't get this until you're dead and his dad did it anyway. And his dad didn't punish him and tell him, well, you take it and you get out of my sight. I never want to see you again. You're dead to me. Didn't say that just gave it to him. And so he knew I've got a dad who's gracious. He's very giving. He's loving. He has mercy. He's compassionate. And he gives me stuff that I don't deserve. All the father wants is a relationship with us. And so it is the memory of the father's house, having the image of the father imprinted on our minds that keeps us from drifting too far, because it helps us remember what is waiting for us at the center Even if you're just two steps off, it's always there. The center of God's love is always waiting. And number two, the memory of the Father's love motivates us to repentance. Many of you may remember messages I've preached before about how to hit reset button is Repent. If we come home, truly come home. And I mean, this, is, this applies to, I just, I'm just off center, just a little bit, and I come home, I repent. God, forgive me for listening to those stupid voices. I won't do it. I'm not gonna do it. Or if you are so far away, and you're living in the pig pen, and you are living as if God doesn't even exist, and you're coming home again. You have to do it with repentance. We cannot come and just slip in the back door and hope nobody notices. See, we can't just come back and act like nothing happened and expect everything to just pick up right where it left off. The only way to come back home is repentance that is motivated by the Father's love. And this again is where we go from gimme, gimme, gimme to change me, change me, change me. See, because love, love is a greater motivator than fear and intimidation. See, there's something about fear and intimidation that causes us to stay in our negative patterns. Romans 7, 5. For while we were living in the flesh... Our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. See, the law, it, it, that's what arouses the sinful passions of the flesh. It's unconditional love and grace that motivates us to lay aside the fleshly desires and to walk in the love and good deeds that God has for us. Colossians 2.20 <laughs> If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to its regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom, in promoting self-made religion and aestheticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stepping the indulgence of the flesh. But then we've got beautiful Titus. For the grace, everyone say grace. grace. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives in this present age. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous. I mean, that's a word meaning excited, really excited, like Super Bowl excited. (laughs) Zealous for good works. Max Lucado, he makes a statement. He says, because of God's justice, he cannot dismiss your sin. But because of God's love, he cannot dismiss you. Number three on how to experience a homecoming is there must be a willingness to receive the father's embrace when he reaches out to us. Have yes. <laughs> you have to say yes. You have to say yes. And that's it. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything to un- earn unconditional love. Because it's, it's only based on the character of the one giving it, not the one receiving it. you hear what I said? Unconditional love is not based on your merit to receive it. It is based on the merit of the one giving it. God loves us so recklessly and so extravagantly that no matter how far we have drifted or what we have done, He is there with arms outstretched. longing and wanting to receive us home. He has been trying to come to us, but so often we've only valued him for his power, for what he could do for us, rather than love and intimacy. So I say, let's repent. (laughs) Let's repent. Forgive me, give me, give me. Let's move back to the center. Let's make our cry, change me, change me, change me. Let's repent. Let's go home to the Father's house. I have a prayer I want us to read together. I want us to pray together. We're just going to read it together. I hope you can read it from the back. But I want us to pray this just together as a family today. I hope you really mean it in your heart as we go through it and you allow the Father to touch you. But let's, let's just pray this together, amen? amen. Let's do it together. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your love that surpasses my understanding. I long to return to your house. I confess my sin. Please forgive me for valuing my inheritance and the things I hope to gain for myself more than I value an intimate relationship with you and with others. I have taken my inheritance and consumed it on my own lusts. I took from you what you were so willing to give me, and I have not been faithful with it. I drifted away from your house to pursue my own selfish interests. But now I long to return to you. I make a choice to leave the pig pen of sin and shame and to come home. Let me experience your compassion. Run to me and welcome me back as your child and your loving embrace. Restore to me your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here is our action plan for this week. I encourage you to get your phone out and snap a picture. If you're a great typer, go for it that way. But I want you to get with your friends. I want you to get with your family. I want you to get with anyone who will go there with you and ask these questions. What are some issues in your life that have caused you to drift off center? Please explain. Have you ever had a gimme-gimme attitude with God? Where is that showing up now? Where do you still need to develop a change-me-change-me heart towards the Father? And then number three, what practical steps will you take to come back to the center of the Father's love? Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for the love that you've given us, the unconditional, reckless love of God. Undeserving. And yet you give it without any thought. So today, God, I'm asking that we make small changes in our value system, God. I'm asking that the spirit of works and working hard to get to this place. God, I pray you break that off of us today. And I'm asking, God, that we would just become sons and daughters who know how to rest in the bosom of the Father. That we would come back to the center of your love, come back to the center of home in such a way that it overwhelms us in our emotions. We need to feel this one, God. We need to feel this love, and I'm asking God to pour it out in us again. So I pray for everyone here today, God, that we would walk back to you, that we would spend time in our quiet times this week, that we would take time in our busy, busy days, our busy, busy lives, To sit and be quiet, to be still. To rest as you shower us in your love and favor. I just feel like the Lord is... I feel like he's showing me that oh, there's so many of us who've had poor poor examples of a dad. And we're gonna we're gonna get to that. We are gonna deal with some of that stuff. And it's so it's hard for some of us to just even believe God's good, to even believe that he loves me like that. I'm gonna dismiss in a few minutes. And if that's you, if you just you just feel like I'm just I I, I hardly can believe what you're saying about this kind of father we're going to have the altar team up here and I want you to come down I want you to get some freedom get some prayer and Eric asked earlier this morning for those who to come up for to to have a renewed connection with God and I believe there are, are prodigals in this house who've done life your own way and I'm asking you don't just slip in the back and make it act like nothing happened. I'm asking you to come and repent. I'm asking you to come forward and repent. Make your declaration of homecoming a public one. I know we prayed this prayer today but I feel like the Father is saying some of you need to, you've got to do a public, you've got to get out of your seat, you've got to go, and you've got to tell someone, I'm coming home, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. So if the altar team would come up, the prophetic team, if you guys would come up here to the front at this time, if you're struggling, you're like, I... I can't hardly believe that a, a dad can even be a loving person. And I, I just, it's a stronghold. I'm asking you to come down and get favor, get prayer so that you can walk in the favor of God. And if, you're, if you've been away from the Lord or you've never accepted Jesus, you need to be out of your seat. You've got to come down. You need to talk to someone and pray and repent and say, I'm coming home. God, forgive me. No slipping in the back door. No pretending like nothing happened. That's not repentance. It's coming forth and saying, God, it's the son walking. He walked home. Everyone saw him coming. And that's how we come home. So, Father, I pray right now as we release this service, God, that those who need to come forward and say, I I have sinned. Forgive me, God would come forward, those who are struggling with the revelation of of a good God who is a Father, God, I pray for them to come forth. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen.